to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And we've got a news-based show for you today because so much has happened in the NFL this past week. Sackings in New York, contracts elsewhere in New York, bans, bans rescinded, fines, injuries. So much for us to get to. Plus, we'll preview Thursday Night Football. You're listening to the Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And, uh, yeah, loads for us to get to today. We've kind of... There was no availability, unfortunately, to do a show earlier in the week. But actually, you get those roundups of the weekend elsewhere. I'm sure that you all survived. If you didn't, tweet us at Gridiron and tell us that you had a bad time because (laughs) we weren't there. Um, Otherwise, uh, so we've got just loads of news to get to today. Plus, are we going to... Is that interview for us? Is it for... I don't know. Yeah, we can use that. Cool. Do you want to use that? Highly talented Oakham student Tyrese Johnson-Fisher, who received a huge opportunity to play American football on the world stage. Ollie's just interviewed him. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have that on the end of the podcast. Why not? I interviewed him because my dad went to Oakham. Nice. So it's, you know, know, not full circle, but there's a little little angle there. He's he's great. If anyone um, doesn't remember him, his play, some of his play went viral on YouTube and it's genuinely phenomenal and he's incredible he's, he's earmarked to be a running back um, in the All-America Under Armour Bowl game on the 4th of January which is at 100 high school students and they play against each other it's, it, it's going to be great really interesting that he's chosen that over rugby um, when clearly he has the skills to play rugby uh, but he wants to play the NFL so play American football not the NFL that's a league, not a sport. Well, I think the the goal is NFL. But yeah, I know. I I, I feel you, bro. I feel you. Good work. Um, we'll have a podcast about college football at some point soon. We had enough requests, so I think I told you we should have done twenty. Probably going into uh, probably going into bowl season. Probably going into uh, the playoffs. Uh, the final four have been decided. Alabama farcically making their way into it. No, it probably was the right decision, but. I just can't. I, I'm really sick of teams that aren't like. The, if you're not in the state championship, what are you doing? If you're not in the um, uh, divisional championship, what are you doing? Make it into playoffs. That's ridiculous to me. There are two teams better than you within the SEC who made it to the final. Why aren't you? Why are you then leapfrogging those teams? Anyway, well, that's because it's arbitrary, isn't it? They need to have. They need, one. They need to expand it. Two. They need to get rid of the fact that it's all down to a panel of faceless people that we don't know who they are except Condoleezza Rice I mean, we know who all of them are because it's public facing but we have no idea what they're discussing yeah that's what I meant however look the reason why we haven't done a college football po- podcast is because it's in the planning we want to make it as good as it can be with one Simon Clancy and his uh, his schedule is is uh, rather hard to pin down especially recently uh, props to you Simon but also um, we want to get we want to get someone really good on, and I think we, <laughs> and Simon doesn't count. No, 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 someone extra, someone extra as well. So We're I think I think it. we I think we it will happen. Uh, Lions are in the fire, guys. We're going to be doing a couple of podcasts over the next couple of days. Today we're going to hear from, uh, as we said, Tyrese Johnson Fisher, and we're going to talk some news tomorrow. 
Greg Jennings. You might have seen that he's over in the UK. He did the BBC highlight show this week. Um, he's been on the show. I think he might be approaching being our most regular football guest based on, or not most regular, but most appearances because uh, this will be time five he'll have been on the podcast in it's our entire time doing it. It's three Super Bowls. Tony Baselli, I guess, has done it a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, I d- he'll be up there. He's right up there. But, I do um, love Greg. I'm going to see, I'm going to uh, meet up with Greg Jennings at the NFL UK head offices later today. Going to chat to him about the Super Bowl coming up in his home city this year. Talking a little bit about uh, the Packers. We'll talk some Vikings. He's mates with Case Keenum, so we'll get into that. Loads for us to, to, to get to with uh, Greg. And uh, Ben Morton will join us from Touchdown Trips as well. Uh, we're going to preview Ravens, Steelers, Sunday Night Football. Wow, what a packed game. Talk a, uh, bit, show, a I mean. bit about other stuff coming up. And we'll preview all of the uh, weekend's games. And we'll review Thursday Night Football. And that's tomorrow's show. Today's show, we'll preview Saints-Falcons. So if you don't listen to it in the next 14 hours, just skip the last 10 minutes of the podcast. I mean, I'm sure many people have turned off by that point anyway. Um, I didn't know that Greg Jennings was here. Maybe I should have paid more attention to things. I don't watch the BBC Highlights show. I should do, but it's great. But I don't. <laughs> um, because I don't watch it because we watch all the games on Talk Sport during Sunday. So mm-hmm. why would I rewatch? You know, although OC is awesome, maybe I should. But then yeah. I rewatch some of the games in full, mate. So yeah, that's true. I do too. But well, Green Bay, I do. But um, had I known or or pre-planned it, I would have brought my Green Bay hat so that you could have got him to sign it. Ah, yeah, didn't think of that. Oh well. It's all right. It was in the WhatsApp group, but as we've established on many an occasion now, you read maybe 4% of the messages that are sent in that WhatsApp group, so it's fine. I mean, I feel there's some sort of beef here. <laughs> is, there, is there a beef there's going no, on? There's no beef. It's fine. Is there a beef? It's fine! I have to uh, say, buddy, um, <laughs> you are looking slimmer. Uh, this shirt is definitely looser. Um, yeah, I, I haven't lost a lot since last week. So come on, tell couple us. More, couple more pounds. Couple pounds. I am. I am going for treat lunch today. Um, uh, what, what I'm are you going, for? going to meet a friend for some Mexican food. I'm going to go. I'm going to err on the side of healthier. Like I'm not going to have sour cream and and uh, cheese and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to meet a friend to go and get some Mexican food at El Pastor at Borough Market. So well, what, um, what time are you doing that? Are you trying to angle an invite for me going to meet a friend you don't know for lunch? Well, you know, it's fine if you don't want to invite me. That's fine. No, I don't, Ollie. You're right. Uh, no, no, that's <laughs> fine. That's... You're a disgrace, genuinely. No, no. Do you know what? I see what's going on here. I'm not included on the in- on the emails. Um, <laughs> I only do the interviews that you really don't want to do. You don't invite me to Greg Jennings. I, was, I, would what, have, I, I would have done that interview today. I wanted to give you a chance to shine, mate, you know and what? it's a good interview. Do you know what? That's fine. It, you need it, to chill out. I see what's going on here. I see. Uh, Should we get some news? If you read the messages, then maybe we'd send them to you. I do read the messages. Mm, do you? Oh, don't do that face. You know that face. <laughs> don't you do that face. <laughs> I know what you're doing there. Uh, right, yeah, let's get to the... No, well, hold on. Other than you being mortally offended that you're not being invited to a lunch with somebody you don't know... But you know I love Mexican food, uh, but that's fine. No, 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 it's fine. I'd see which... Uh, do you want to come and just sit at a different table? I see which way your taco is filled. Oh, God. No. Are you done? How, how are you other than that, mate? I haven't seen you in a few days. Yeah, it's fine. been glorious. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Uh, Where do you want to start? Should we start off with the New York Giants? Yeah, let's start off with the Giants. Giants started the week with a newly benched quarterback 
And it didn't take long for that to affect the futures of Jerry Reese gone. Ben McAdoo, gone. The front office and coaching have left. John Mara uh, took the blame for the Eli benching in his press conference afterwards. Jerry Reese, who has been the uh, GM of, of that team for me- some years now, guided them to two Super Bowl wins with Eli Manning, but also has drafted poorly over recent seasons, relied too much on ageing free agents, and certainly had started to lose his mojo. Ben McAdoo, absolutely no shock to see him out of the door. But maybe a little bit odd on the timing to... uh, John Mara essentially admitted that he was fully aware that Eli Manning was going to be benched, but then essentially sacked them because of the negative reaction to Eli Manning being benched, because there are three or four home games left, and he was scared that the crowd were going to be angry. Wow. That's essentially what he said. He's basically on this three or four home games left. There was a lot of talk about organised protests and some fans had got together enough money to get one of the planes to fly over the crowd a la Wenger out. But I just... If you that's why you're doing what you're doing, then starting Eli this coming weekend clearly isn't for footballing reasons. It's for satiating your fan base. And that, to me, is utterly ridiculous ridiculous yeah i i totally agree with you just the whole thing has been a farce the whole every single way it's been dealt with from the the initial decision the the the, they should have kept eli out of the the firing line when he was interviewed in the locker room almost breaking down in tears then the whole davis webb thing and then the, the sacking of McAdoo it's just it's just been absolutely farcical do you know what it's been like it's been a bit brownsy it has been and then the problem is is that we always hear about the New York fan base the New York fans how vehement they are you see the, the way they behave at drafts and how it's such a difficult market for a quarterback to go into so what you're essentially doing is saying you lot kicked up a fuss we're really sorry we're going to do what you want now and you're just giving that power to the most kind of vehement, hypocritical, loudest portion of your fan base instead of doing what's actually right for the team. I mean, genuinely, I don't understand why you start Eli Manning this week instead of Davis Webb. The whole idea was that you get Davis Webb in getting enough reps over these two weeks so he's ready to start this weekend against the Cowboys. Mm. Manning's streak is already over, so you don't have to worry about that. There's not some arbitrary reason to do it. Um you're putting future roster evaluations at risk in terms of not only are you not assessing what you got in Davis Webb, but let's be honest, at this point, they're up to two in the draft this year. Would you be that surprised if they were if they were picking two, three, come the draft? Are they going to win two or three more games this year? I seriously doubt it. And this weekend, they're going up against Demarcus Lawrence who I think is um, sixth in sack. Uh, who, uh, no, he's sorry. Demarcus Lawrence is the NFL sack leader. Then it's the Eagles defense who are sixth in team sacks. Then it's Chandler Jones and the Cardinals who's been getting tackles for losses and sacks all year. You're putting Eli Manning back in who's had injury troubles over the last couple of years behind that porous offensive line. If your idea is you're going to go and take a Josh Rosen, whoever it might be, even like a Baker Mayfield, somebody at the top of the draft, but... You heard, we heard that John Gruden was being linked with the job and he said he'd do it if Eli was still around. So you bring in a young quarterback and you sit them behind Eli for a year, two years, whatever it might be. What if you go and get Eli horrendously injured over these next four games when you don't need to play him? Your season's done. Yeah. The streak is over. Just 
just like eat it up and just get get just get over it basically um and the fact is that Gino Smith that part this past weekend and these are the exact stats on this uh, Gino Smith was 21 of 34 for 212 yards a touchdown no picks and that's an 89.3% uh, 89.3 QBR rating Manning's season average is one completion more off two more throws seven more yards and an interception per game. Geno Smith basically played exactly at the level Eli Manning's been all year without throwing a pick. Yeah. And he was against the Raiders, who only picked off one player all season. So that's not really a surprise. But essentially, there was zero drop-off going from Eli Manning to Geno Smith. That is pretty damning and kind of shows you why just scrap the season. Admit you're done with it test out the young talent see what Davis Webb can do maybe you've got something special there yeah I 100% agree and if you've if it if it seems like you've got something special there's a little bit of trade bait will people see alright well you know he's only played three or four games but we'll give you a seventh rounder for him sixth rounder and then for you stockpile your draft picks in a a time when the Giants need one a lot of their players back from injury but also a bit of an overhaul of some of that roster and Eli Manning is definitely one of them John Gruden I that's the first I've heard of it to, today from you I'm I'm sure it's not it, it, I'm not saying that's because it's not um not out there I just haven't I haven't seen that yet and my initial reaction is stay stay away from John Gruden not for me Biki. not for me Biki. not for me I, I mean I, how how do they approach this cuz surely I like that they fired both and they're going to do a whole regime change. My concern is you go... So you're going to go GM first before head coach. A lot of the best GM candidates out there are are, are people who are already uh, at teams. You're probably looking at somebody who's like a current director of player personnel. There's the guy at the Patriots who keeps being linked with it. But those teams go deep in the playoffs and you can't appoint them till February. So... You can't appoint them till February, and then you can't appoint a head coach probably until you've appointed a GM, because that's generally how that relationship works. Are you starting to... Are you kind of starting to put yourself behind the eight ball, even though you've gone ahead and sacked your your, your front office and your, and your coaching before you've got to the end of the season? Mm. Nick Casario got there eventually Elliot Wolf's another shout Green Bay Scott Pioli is another one Dave Gettleman yeah Dave Gettleman is another John, interesting John one Dorsey former Chiefs GM uh, worked for Mike Holgram um, I like that I like that so there's there's an awful lot of candidates and that's the thing that they've got to get sorted out straight away I don't think that they promote from within Steve Spagnolo is the interim head coach since McAdoo's firing but they did that they did that last time I think it needs someone new to come in to be their head coach but where you get that person from who knows Spagnolo's defence has dropped off massively this year from where it was a year ago so do you is there justification for even keeping him around do you just go right top to bottom overhaul. get it all out overhaul yeah. redo it I, I think that's probably the direction to go in um, it's just it's a rough time to be a Giants fan but at the same time Look at the Cowboys had that one absolutely dreadful season. And admittedly, you know, the Cowboys have been up and down over the past kind of 10, 15 years or so. But 
they still tended to finish around seven and nine, eight and eight, and so were picking around the middle of the draft. One terrible season, which means they're picking right up in the top top I said at that point you've got to take one of the talented quarterbacks you've got to go out and get one thinking it would be was that the Carson Wentz here I think it must have been yeah so like Carson like you've got to go and get one of Carson Wentz or Jared you've got to do it if you're the Cowboys um and they didn't they took Zeke Elliott and then they took Dak Prescott later in the draft they got lucky getting Dak Prescott later in the draft admittedly considering they tried to trade up and get uh, some nonsense elsewhere but you've you've I think if you're the Giants, you've got to take this as a bit of a blessing in disguise. Get your quarterback of the future at the top of the draft. Amass some other good picks. Amass some other good players. And rebuild going forwards, knowing you've still got you know, game-changing wide receiver there. You've still got some great defensive talent in the back end and in on the line as well. Yep. There's There's enough there that the Giants could bounce back next season and be a borderline playoff team. Basically, the Giants have got to play fantasy football with their entire organization that's what they've got to do get the best people in pick the best player at the top of the draft which or the best quarterback at the top of the draft that the one that the browns don't pick uh and then yeah just redo it does however make a and we probably say this almost every year but it does make next year's draft and i think gridiron are going to it next year's draft really really exciting with the browns with the 49ers what are the sorry with the Giants and what the 49ers going to do and uh, the Jets are going to be involved with with the QB mix as well really really interesting I'm increasingly thinking the 49ers are going to trade down if they've got somebody to trade with I don't think they go Squam Barkley I think they trade down try and get either a game changing wide receiver an edge rusher or a corner and then none of those really you want to take at three or four no probably three yeah good point yeah be ashamed to not get Squam Barkley in, but I think there are more needs elsewhere. Um, the, the next kind of glutter topics all kind of come under a same area, and it's difficult to... I was trying to figure out which order to go in with this, but let's go with the kind of big news from the last 24 hours, that Roger Goodell has signed a contract extension with the league, according to a memo sent to NFL owners by the Compensation Committee. In the memo, the Compensation Compensation Committee state the contract has been signed by the Commissioner and Falcons owner Arthur Blank on behalf of the league entities. Um, Goodell succeeded Paul Tagliabue now 11 years ago, first joined the league as an intern back in 1982, reportedly going to be receiving $40 million a year. That's $200 million over a five-year extension. And this is kind of what's interesting to me about this, is the timing of this. He's still got a year and a half left on his contract. Why so desperate to get this done right now when you've still got the Zeke Elliott situation is still up in the air, whether you like it or not? He's done the contract, but I still think he will, they will go back and appeal it and try and get some kind of compensation. You've still got... Uh, the, the, there's the current situation with the bans going on that we're going to get to all of those and and the uh, the situation with what's happening with um, player representation, with Colin Kaepernick, with the anthems, with everything that's around that. I just feel like this, this, this should have been an off-season thing rather than a now thing. But it's a now thing. It's a weird thing. I mean, $40 million a year. That's higher than any player in the NFL. Is there is there anything wrong with that though? I don't necessarily mind. I think forty million dollars a year to run a business where he's turned it from uh, the, the level of income. I think it was the turnover when he came in uh, eleven years ago was about four billion dollars. It's now around fifteen billion dollars. So 
like the amount he's grown it on the mm. business side and he has been regardless of how you feel about him as a with with team values all around two billion dollars i i kind of i'm fine with it and this is something i want to talk to kind of um greg jennings about the the player association and the way that the the cba has given him so much power is the real problem that next cba his deal now goes past that to 2024 i think we've got some real potential problems with that cba and whisper it now it's a few years away but potential for a lockout already is screaming at me from a distance he has nearly doubled the turnover turnover in 2008 was 7.57 billion dollars it's now in 2016 it was 13.616 billion dollars so yeah he's more than doubled nearly more you know almost doubled the amount that that the nfl is generating so yeah okay i'll give him it is this a big loss for Jerry Jones? Huge loss. Is is there an element of this where it's the NFL owners meeting next week and they were like, let's get it done before that because otherwise we're going to have to deal with uh, three days of the Jerry Jones brigade and it's going to be an absolute nightmare? I mean, yeah, that, uh, that it's seems, a, seems a, like it could be the case. It's at in Dallas, the winter meeting this year as well. <laughs> I've just read that. That adds to this even more. Incredible. I mean, it, it shows the the guys on the compensation committee who helped broker all of this: Arthur Blank, Clark Hunt, Robert Kraft, John Mara, Bob McNair, and Art Rooney. Do they dislike Jerry Jones? I think there's a re- I think there's a genuine real issue there. Uh, for, like um, the, the 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 element with those owners and the way that Arthur Blank reacted to the idea that Jerry Jones was going to try and sue the league over this extension and he said that's not the way we do things Jerry apparently on this conference on this conference call um it's interesting that five of the six of those names Clark Hunt Rob Kraft John Mara Bob McNair and Art Rooney were also on the Los Angeles committee so they know just how much Jerry Jones is able to strong arm a situation I think there's an element where the one man has started to get a little too much power. In fact, two men have too much power in the NFL, Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones. And right now there's a power struggle going on between them. And the other owners have shown where they're throwing their weight behind. And it's Roger Goodell. Yeah. It's interesting. It's fascinating to see how that's going to play out next week. Yeah. Fisty cuffs in the, in the hotel lobby. Jerry Jones and Art Rooney going at it. Not- I, but, could, could we see a split? Could that happen? I, what do you mean by a split? Jerry Jones with the Cowboys. On that selection committee, I think only one of them is from a team on in the NFC. The rest are you are trying AFC. to suggest that we we go back to the pre-1969, the pre-merger? Are we going to get an NFL and an AFL again? I think maybe not quite that level, Ollie, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You never know. It's you know certainly... President Trump and Jerry Jones are big fans of each other. <laughs> <laughs> the future of the NFL is uh, is certainly an intriguing situation. Yeah. I don't want to get that bleak about it, to be honest. Yeah, OK. Let's move on. Um, another issue for the NFL, Rob Gronkowski's ban. And these kind of, these link, and we need to talk about Rob Gronkowski's ban, Juju Smith-Schuster's ban, George Loker's ban as well. In fact, I popped in your folder, one for you to find, and it's in my folder as well. Uh, Mike Mitchell speaking after the Monday night football clash between the Steelers and the Bengals. And clash really is the right word. Um, start off with Rob Gronkowski. He's going mi- to miss Monday night football, um, the league announced. And, and he did appeal, and the appeal was turned down. He's going to miss the Monday night football game 
game against the Miami Dolphins for his hit on Tredavious White. And you combine that. We, t- we, we, we talked about the, the hit on the show on Sunday on TalkSport 2. And the first thing to say is that it was... Uh, Rob Gronkowski isn't a player I've ever considered dirty before. That was dirty, malicious, full of intent, and had the potential to really injure another person. My concern with this is you then go to the Juju Smith-Schuster hit, which was an up block, and it was a block that, because he led with the helmet, it was similar to the um, uh, to the, the previous... Hines. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Hines. I think called him Mecca Hines. Uh, <laughs> um, to the Hines-Ward uh, uh, block, where he got actually a rule changed in the NFL after that. Um, but it wasn't fully dirty. And the speed of play and everything else... I d- I, it was the reaction afterwards which I think has caused him to get banned for it. I'm not sure. I think he would have got fined and not suspended had he not then stood over Vontaze Perfect and got in his face. And if you actually saw the interview with uh, with Juju Smith-Schuster after the game inside the locker room where he basically apologised for his actions, Antonio Brown was in the background basically shouting that this was revenge that it was revenge like basically saying that he got we oh karma that's who's shouting karma he's going karma it's karma it's karma because obviously Vontes perfect is the the man who's been at the center of all these issues over the last couple of years um but the fact that you're banning rob gronkowski for the same number of games as juju smith schuster i think gronkowski should have been banned for two to four games because of the intent element because what you're doing as a league going forwards now is you're setting a precedent and you're making it more difficult in future situations to give somebody a longer ban because you didn't give one to Rob Gronkowski. I cannot uh, disagree with you. You've said that a lot today, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> in any way. I cannot. And I, uh, and, I, uh, and here's for why. I'll tell you for why. I'll tell you for why. Uh, for all of those things that you mentioned, the, Tredavious White was on the floor. It's assault. It's assault on the football field. He gave him a, a, a concussion. It's it's it, there has to be some sort of it has 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 Rob, Rob Gronkowski got away with it because he's Rob Gronkowski and because he's apologised. That was the other thing. This whole narrative that immediately Bill Belichick went and apologised straight after the game, went over to um, to his counterpart and apologised to uh, Sean McDermott and and said that it was a, a bush league piece of behaviour. And Rob Gronkowski apologised immediately afterwards. They showed remorse, and so he got. It as a one-game ban. I still think you're setting a dangerous precedent there. I really do. And okay. I know that there's an element where the league really don't want to get on the bad side of Patriots fans again after the Tom Brady farce, but it was the most heinous piece of behaviour I've seen on a football field in a long time. Uh, yeah, totally agree. Totally uh, agree. Then you've got to mix the George Iloka situation in as well, because George Iloka was banned for one game initially. That ban has now been changed. It's actually interestingly, Big Ben spoke out as well and said, look what Gronk did, Gronk did. Look what Juju did. They got the same suspension. I don't think that's necessarily fair. So uh, Big Ben speaking out about the same thing. I know he's backing his teammate to an extent there. George Iloka, that hit was, it was targeting. It was hitting a defenseless receiver, and I don't think there was any argument against that. But it was at the full, in the full speed of the game, going in for a tackle. And this is why I said I wanted to hear this Mike Mitchell audio. I think this is really fascinating. Have we got that lined up and, and ready to play? Because this is Mike Mitchell speaking after the game and, and had some pretty strong words for... This is actually him speaking in the locker room uh, later in the week. Some pretty strong words for the way that these situations are currently being handled by the NFL. 
end of the day, this is football. If you want to see flag football, then let's take our pads off. That would make it easier for me because I don't got to wear heavy shit. But give us flags for me to pull off because that way I know what we're playing. You know, I signed up to play full speed contact football and we're not doing that. I feel like I got to ask a guy, hey, are you ready for me to hit you right now before I hit you? And that's crazy. I'm going to mess around and get hurt trying to protect an offensive player because he's running an over route. Damn it, your quarterback shouldn't have threw that ball messed up. That happened two years ago. That's I, I'm, I'm not joking at all. Andy Dalton threw a ball to Tyler Eifert two years ago. Tyler Eifert had to die for it. I was aiming for his gut. But if he don't die, if he don't get in the head, that's 50 grand out of my pocket, though, because Andy throws a bad ball. Make that make sense. And at first you're taking our money, but now, you know, I got holes like Matt Hasselbeck calling me a dirty player and trying my character, and we've never met before. I donate more money to Cincinnati underprivileged kids than probably the people on the Bengals. So don't give me that name. My nephew goes to school there, man. I take all that personally. If you don't know me, if you never had a conversation with me, don't judge us by what you see on football because football is my competitive side. You know what I'm saying? So it's just so much going on in the game right now. Yes, obviously I'm a little flustered, but I mean, we just got to do better. We got to do better. I said it yesterday. We got to do better as players when we sign the next CBA. We got to get better leadership as who's running the league. Because obviously everybody from fans, owners, players, all disappointed in Roger Goodell. Um, we just we just got to do better. We can't have a guy where you just hand out discipline on how you see fit. There needs to be a set guideline of how we do what we do. So many things to discuss from what he said there. Strong words. The the element of the the power of Roger Goodell and what the CBA means he's got. Mike Mitchell gets into that, and that's what I say. I want to ask Greg Jennings about tomorrow. But I think it's fascinating, and I don't think we just we look at it enough. I go back to the um, Kiko Alonso hit on Joe Flacco earlier this year, where Joe Flacco slid very late. Kiko Alonso was going at full speed. That looked brutal. But it was, it, if, when watched at full speed, you realise it would have been very difficult to pull out. And you've really got to decipher, and there really has to be a difference between the idea of intent and malice and the idea of something happening at the full speed of the play. Because I then went back and watched the George Iloka play, and I'm not, you know, in any way encouraging people leading with the helmet. It was a bad, it was a bad form on the tackle because he led with the helmet rather than the shoulder. But what happens is Antonio Brown catches the ball and then ducks down, bracing for contact. Because he's seen not Iloka, but the corner to his left, who does come in and also make contact with him. Because he ducks down, his head lowers about a foot and a half, and then Iloka's head goes into his head. It was the same as he was talking about with that Andy Dalton tackle. where Not Andy Dalton, but... Um, Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert, where Dalton threw a bad pass. Eifert dived for it. He was aiming for his gut and hit him in the head. We, there has to be some kind of consideration with these cases as to what the intent of a situation was. And there's Vontae's perfect is a prime example where he has had some plays that he's been called up for. What the one he was um, suspended for earlier this season, where he was given four games, where I don't think that was a dirty play. Yeah, it was a bad play. Don't think it was dirty. Whereas the stuff that he did against the Steelers in that playoff game, that was dirty. And that's that w- what the karma is. What Antonio Brown's talking about, and where Vontae's perfect is. It's done it to various teams and various players throughout the years. And that's not up for debate. That's factual. So that's the karma. The, the, and I totally agree. Again, I agree with you. This is, uh, this is getting a, to be a, a bit of a, a agree with Will Lovin today. <laughs> but you're right. It won't be on Twitter afterwards, much like the Eli Manning situation. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. The, uh, 
when you look at things in full speed and these players have very little time and they are the top of the top, the creme de la creme, the extreme elite athletes and everything is played at the split second. So it's basically impossible to adjust when someone is doing something that perhaps you don't expect them to do because either of, of a badly thrown ball or bracing for impact from a player that that um, that they see but they don't see you as in the Iloka case I remember do you remember the the Emmanuel Sanders throw uh, or catch he he caught down the sideline I think it was from Brock Osweiler it may have been from Peyton Manning a couple of years ago where uh, uh, it's down the sideline and a, a safety comes in and completely wipes him out I don't think he catches the ball either and he he is completely taken out I don't think that safety got banned for targeting or it was just a big hit and sometimes some of these plays some of these tackles are just big hits and because of instant replay because of slow motion replay and because of twitter they get blown way out of proportion uh, Stefan Gilmore I've just found the incident you're referring to so it was the Bills corner Stefan Gilmore now at the Patriots um, that's an interesting one I'll look at that one I, I the thing with all of it and, and the thing that kind of the, the, that really highlights this is a violent sport it's a dangerous sport it's a it's an impact sport not contact sport an impact sport and the thing that really upset and frustrated me with what happened and the reason Juju Smith-Schuster whilst I actually don't think the block was that bad the peel block I think it was still leading with his head which was bad but I don't like the reaction afterwards to then stand over the player that you've just hit helmet to helmet and be like that when you have what happened to Ryan Shazir earlier in that game now Ryan Shazir actually the 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 method of his tackling wasn't good and he's normally a great tackler he led with his helmet in that situation led to him seeing his his spine and his neck being compressed and not having feeling in his lower extremities when he first hit the ground and it was terrifying to see we both saw that playing out we were both working on on talk sport on the tuesday morning and the way that he fell to the ground and his arm was lo- uh, was limp the way that he was like having to check for feeling in his right hand whilst he was holding his back. And you could tell that, that, that I think the players have been trained and told how to react in that situation because the way that he fell flat on his back, the way that he checked his extremities for feeling, it looked like someone who knew, who'd been told how to behave in that situation. It just kind of upset me that <laughs> you've got a guy who's behaving like that when one of his own teammates is being taken to hospital for what could have been a really serious long-term injury. Now, Shazir is actually now back in Pittsburgh and and there are some real hopes that with the swelling going down that he he actually it will be just a scary situation where his body reacted to the impact but actually it reacted, caused swelling, shut his body down and he's going to be fine. That's the hope and that's the kind of situation in terms of positivity it looks like it's heading to but... It was genuinely terrifying. After that, the whole game had this weird kind of pallid feeling to it where you couldn't really enjoy the rest of it, even though it ended up being a great game of football. There was no moment where I was really, really properly engaged with it because I kept just thinking, man, I hope Ryan is here's okay. I think it, it would have been one of the easiest... Halftime speeches that Mike Talbot's ever done. 
Mike Tolbert. Sorry, Mike Tolbert. The human bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. That Mike Tomlin's ever done. Because it would be, let's do this for Ryan. And they were getting battered at half time as well. And of course they, they they were getting battered before the Shazir incident and afterwards. Because they, 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 they had gone. Come the second half, yeah, they, they, it was... Um, it turned out to be a really great fight back and when they when it started and they started getting points on the board and getting it rolling it was kind of inevitable it was a bit like the the Super Bowl you knew it was going to happen you knew that Boswell was going to land that kick right at the end did you see that um, Boswell's come out and said that he thought that jumping off sides that much in that final kick that uh, they were out to hurt him oh really Christ he thought no. He, he, I think he said that no one is that far off sides without trying to run into the kicker. So knowing that he'd give the penalty, but hopefully he would be, he would be in no fit state to actually. They'd have to I get mean, the, the punter to kick it. If you hit the kicker, you're giving him 15 yards. Like I think that I, I like to think the punter probably would have made a kick from 20, but or a safety. Situ- We've seen it happen <laughs> three or four times this year. Pressure, pressure situation, not an easy one. I mean, it's actually all led to the NFL considering the possibility of implementing a targeting rule similar to the one currently used in in college football. I'm not sure that it needs to quite go that far, although uh, Troy Vincent, the NFL's Executive Vice President of Football Operations, has said the league has received positive feedback from college officials and players about the targeting rule. So maybe it's something that we're going to see when the competition committee get together later in the year, something that, that, that will be considered, and it's just going to add another wrinkle on that side of the ball. I, I'm not one of these people who's going to stand on the table and bang and go, oh, it's not real football anymore. But, um, yeah, we enjoy the physicality of this game. Let's just do it nicely, guys. Should we move on? Should we take a little break and then move on? Do you on? mean do it like nicely like Mike Mitchell said? I need to ask your permission before I hit you. <laughs> Maybe not quite that level. Okay, somewhere in between. Just the right technique. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, we sure, need. Sure. Um, yeah, let's take a little break um, and then we'll uh, come back. We've got a few more bits to get to. We'll preview Thursday Night Football and we'll hear from Tyrese Johnson-Fisher, the highly talented young Brits looking to target a future in the NFL. Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Uh, you're listening to the Gridiron Show, association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Uh, still a few topics for us to touch on, Ollie. How how long we gone? Thirty eight. Blimey, already quite a long way through. So let's uh, let's bang through these. Um, Marcus Peters, what a bizarre situation that was. Do you mean Jason Peters? Uh, as the <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Carson called him Jason Peters at least six times on Talksport Two yeah. this weekend. It was very funny. Uh, Marcus Peters, a bizarre situation in that Jets Chiefs game. The Chiefs falling to six and six, and that all tied up the FC West. Just so you know, because we've not done a review of the weekend, we're going to preview this weekend's games with that context in mind. So we'll talk about the impact for the Chiefs, etc. But the Chiefs making the decision themselves. 
to suspend Marcus Peters a game because the NFL weren't going to do it. They've taken the discipline into their own hands and Marcus Peters will be missing Sunday against the Oakland Raiders. I quite like that from an organisation point of view. I know that the Raiders are not the greatest team at the moment, but they do have some talent on the wide receiving core. I'm not sure whether Amari Cooper will be back, but Michael Trabcree, Crabtree, not Trabcree, Michael Crabtree will be back. So they they potentially need him to shut down Crabtree. But you can't be, be behaving the way he did. He let his teammates down, and I think the Chiefs are sending a message to him and his teammates that that kind of behaviour doesn't wash. I'm not confident about... Terence Mitchell, Nelson and Darrell Rivas. Oh, no one's confident about Darrell Rivas. As a, as a three, by any stretch of the imagination. But then uh, we asked the question on uh, Twitter from Gridiron um, whether Derek Carr is massively overrated because his play this season has been poor. Yep. Um, we got some negative response. We got a lot of people agreeing with it. So, interesting. Do you think it's anything to do with Jack Del Rio play calling from the offensive coordinator as well? Oh, I, I think Jack Del Rio is a man who's probably going to end up keeping his job, and I don't know why. Like, I, I, th- I would sack off Del Rio and move on. That would be because my position at this point. Carr was doing it last year. Things were going his way, but he was making some incredible throws and incredible plays. He's coming off that pretty bad injury. Perhaps at the beginning of the season, he never quite recovered fully. Now, he's just... You know, he hasn't been able to take that momentum forward or he hasn't had any momentum to go forward and go through the season and start playing up to the level that he had last year. I don't think he is overrated. I think he's a really, really good player and things just haven't gone right for him this year. Another interesting one. Baltimore Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith suspended four games by the NFL on Monday for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing substances, PEDs, the league announced. Smith uh, is not going to appeal the suspension and begin serving it immediately. Uh, He suffered a season-ending torn Achilles in that Sunday's win over the Detroit Lions. So actually eligible to serve out the suspension while injured. So he'll be eligible to play in next season's 2018 opener. Um, He was already going to be a miss for that defence. He'd kind of had a bounce back season before the injury and subsequent suspension limited to 11 games last year. But I thought he'd been really impressive this year and part of a secondary that has really been overhauled this season between Tony Jefferson and Eric Weddle making a great safety pairing. Brandon Carr playing above the level I'd expect. Uh, Marlon Humphrey coming in and doing some stuff. The rookie on some snaps as well. They're going to have to start relying on him and Jalen Hill, the, uh, the the free agent rookie, to come in and start making a, a big difference at cornerback. And it's a blow for a Ravens defence that have been really the the... the, the reason to be excited for this team they go up against the Steelers this weekend on Sunday night football before facing the Browns Colts and Bengals you'd argue that Browns Colts Bengals are all very winnable games with that Ravens defense and that they should be targeting at least the well should be targeting the AFC wildcard place I don't think the Steelers are going to lose out from this point um but yeah that makes Sunday really tough for them and actually kind of maybe brings into question the Colts Bengals games as well because those teams have moved the ball recently. We've seen them doing it. So, not not good news. Uh, Bengals looked really good in that first half with the connection over the middle from um, Andy Dalton to AJ Green. Tyler Croft's doing okay as well. And the Colts, they've got T.Y. Hilton who, okay, he struggles with a bit of separation, but he's fantastic. He's a, a, a bona fide number one wide receiver. So, 
yeah, you you got to worry for the Ravens in that respect. Uh, should we turn our attention to Thursday night football? Yes. Saints Falcons. What a game! The nine and three Saints going to the Mercedes Benz Stadium to face the seven and five Atlanta Falcons. Um, look, the 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 winning streak that came abruptly to a halt for the Falcons against the Vikings. They now have to go up against a, 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 a Saints team that got their wins back on track this last weekend in impressive fashion against the Carolina Panthers. We're going to get both the leading corners back. Marshall and Lattimore against Julio Jones. Great matchup that we're going to get to see tonight on Thursday Night Football. We're also going to see the return of Desmond Trufant for Atlanta Desi, going up baby. against the Saints. Um, this is a game which the favourite line sits at minus one. It's a divisional game. Form goes out the window, all of that nonsense. For me, with Marshall and Lattimore back and what the Saints have in terms of their run game, I'm th- I think the Saints should feel confident going into Atlanta and realistically probably put paid to Atlanta's playoff hopes, even though they'll still be very much technically in it, with the rest of their run, if they go back-to-back losses and then have to face the Saints again and the Panthers to close out the season, it suddenly becomes very tough for the Falcons to go back to the playoffs. Yeah, it does. It does. It's an interesting case of last year's running back tandem versus this year's running back tandem. Nice. Very Uh, much so. What I do like as well is Cam Jordan versus the immobility of Matt Ryan and the not great Atlanta offensive line Cam Jordan has been brilliant they'll have to double that, that offensive line was great last year as well yeah yeah, and they've got one of the best centres in Alex Mack but it's just it's not all gone together for them they haven't even been able to create some of the holes for uh, Devonta Freeman that he got last year in the run game so they, the offensive line play hasn't been great and then when you've got wrecking ball Cam Jordan doing what he's been able to do this year. He's just been brilliant. One of the best players in the league. And the thing is, you look at the Falcons' statement wins, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, coming up against teams with bad offensive lines. They really... And the Packers, with all those injuries, they got to the quarterback in all of those situations against bad offensive lines. The Saints' offensive line have been brilliant this year. Uh, And even when Teron Armstead goes out and Pete has to move out to left tackle, they still performed at a good level. The run blocking's obviously been great. Mark Ingram, 922 yards, nine touchdowns on the season. And we all know how much this podcast loves Alvin Kamara. I'm very much going going hefty on the Saints in this game um, as, as my pick. And I saw that Matt Sherry went for the Falcons on Gridiron Pick'em, so... One one that you want to hopefully catch up on. Four games back still. Four games back. It's been the same for weeks and weeks. I need to close this gap. Um, are, you, which, are you leaning the same? Are you going to agree with me yet again? Yeah, sadly I am. <laughs> I just... I love what the Saints do. I love... Actually, though, I find... Is it going to be a colour rush? Uh, if, if it was, it with the Saints all whites, won't it? And then I like that. Hashtag kit watch. Uh, I need to check that out. I probably do need to check that out. Um, oh, another little... Uh, I'll save it for tomorrow's pod. But uh, <laughs> another little bit of kit watch news. Kit, kit watch news. But the, the Saints all white is a great, great kit watch. Because I don't like the Saints when they have the white jerseys and the black pants. They look okay with the gold pants. But and anyway that's just me and the Falcons all red for the first time in team history black numbers white trim it's pretty sexy I've got to tell you oh, where is it is it on Twitter yeah oh I just searched Falcons colour rush Falcon, it uh, is on their Twitter though as well Falcons 
Oh, I like that. I like that. This is live Googling. Live kit watch. Uh, Oh! Right, big fan of that reaction. Uh, So Thursday Night Football, both taking the Saints. We'll have the review of that game on tomorrow's podcast. Two podcasts, two days. Maybe we'll bring it out Saturday just to make sure that you've got a little bit of leeway. Um, uh, And and we're going to hear from Greg Jennings on that show as well. But now, Ollie, would you like to introduce your interview? Yeah. So uh, coming up is Tyrese Johnson-Fisher. He shot to fame as a, as a rugby player for Oakland, Oakland, Oakham School. Maybe you should go and play in Oakland for Oakham School, a place that my dad went to way back when. I think in he he went there as a seven year old. That yeah, my my grandparents um, sent him off to boarding school at the age of seven. Uh, so in the mid fifties, he went to Oakham. Tyrese, sixty years later, uh, is hopefully trying to get to the NFL by means of the Under Armour All-America game for high school kids uh, to be played in January. This is my interview with Tyrese. So I'm joined with Tyrese Johnson-Fisher. He's a, a kid from Oakham. I say a kid. He's, he's probably bigger, faster, stronger than me anyway. But he's been selected for the All-America game at Camping World Stadium in Orlando. 60,000 people could be there uh, on the 4th of January. It's a game for high school students uh, in America, high school prospects, the best prospects, to showcase their skills and their talents on ESPN2. Uh, Tyrese, though, is English. Uh, I think he's from London, from from his accent. So, Tyrese, welcome to uh, the show. And um, wow, what a day you've had today, I presume. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a really good day. So, uh, just talk me through what's happened today, because I know you're you're at Oakham, your school in in uh, in the East Midlands, I think it is. And uh, what's yeah. happened today? Under Armour have um, selected you to be part of this incredible uh, incredible experience. Yeah, that's been really good. We had a presentation at 8.30 in the morning. I had my whole year group, I had family, I had friends, I had all the staff at Oakham School. And it was just a really nice day to obviously showcase to the world what I've been wanting to do for my entire life. And yeah, I've just been bombarded with different things going on and it's just been really enjoyable. So you say your entire life. Um, you're, you're, yeah. a, you're a rugby player, you're a sprinter as well. But yeah. American football is that been a a, a, a a pipe dream, a dream of yours to to try and and follow that career path? Yeah, I'd say it was more of a dream than anything else. I've been watching American football for many years. I've been watching the likes of Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, and I've just been wanting to have the opportunity to play such an amazing sport. And in the UK, it's obviously taken very seriously. We obviously had the game the other day, and. It was full, and now it's really nice to be involved in such a nice community. So you say Adrian Peterson, Lev Bell, running backs. Yeah. Is that uh, the position that youth have earmarked? The the one that you you would like to be to to make your own? Yeah, and I've been watching running back drills nearly every day. I've watched all the snaps that obviously the players are taking, and I'd love to play running back. It just seems like an amazing position that suits me so well. Well, given your prowess that I've seen on on the one the video that went viral and your elusiveness, and I know you play centre and um, and fullback as well. Uh, do you play on the wing also? Is that is that another one of your your positions? Yeah, so I start I started rugby in year six. I was living in Dubai and I played wing out there. And even at the tenth tournament, the Premier Ten, just literally just run the ball from, from the ten. Um, but yeah, I came to rugby school and. 
year nine. So that's third form, what we call it. Mm-hmm. And I played fullback, I played wing, I played centre. But when I got to fifth form, so year 11, I realised that my skill set just wasn't good enough to play in a position where my hands are needed. So I thought that the wing would be a lot better for me to just obviously run at people, run around people. That <laughs> yeah. Makes the most I've got. So yeah, wing is my new position, make the most out of it. So you say Lev Bell's one of the the guys that you that you've watched carefully. What he yeah. does is he is a guy that waits at, uh, at the line of scrimmage and he's got a f- off his offensive line and then he spots the holes. Is that something yeah. that you'd like to model your game on? Yeah, I'm a very patient player. Um, I see the opportunity of every single moment you get, you have to take it. If that means even relaxing and just taking a few yards for about three snaps and then on the fifth or the fourth, just really going for it, and that's what I'll do. And yeah, Levon Bell is just a perfect player to watch and to obviously see what he shows, showcase what he does in the NFL. So you've um, obviously you've uh, you've watched the game on on TV. Um, yeah, uh, you can listen to the game on Talk Sports if you if you can't make it to a TV. However, yeah. what's your actual experience of playing the game? Have you had pads on? Have you have you got the helmet on and and and, and such like? Yeah, so I trained with a team down in London, uh, the London Warriors, and yeah, some Croydon. So I've been able to wear the pads, I've been able to wear the helmet, and obviously having dreadlocks, it's quite difficult to put the <laughs> helmet on. Yeah, but it's just been really enjoyable to get everything on. It's a bit heavy, don't get me wrong, but no, nah, it's a really fun sport to get involved with. So I went to a high school game about a month ago in uh, in Louisiana, and it, oh, wow. even in high school. It is huge. There were 4,000 people yeah. there, 100 yeah. players on each roster. The hits were huge. They were in full pads. Mm. They take it super seriously. You know yeah. what, you're, no, you're, no. what you're getting yourself yeah. into, right? Yeah, no, definitely, because what's quite nice about Oakland School is that we have a tradition every year where we play Uppingham. Uh, it's another local school that we were both played, but we were both created at the same time. Was it 1568 or wherever the date was? and. Mm-hmm. 1584, I've been told. <laughs> so, no, it's a really, really big game that we play every single year. And we literally have hundreds and hundreds of people on the touchline. And it's just quite nice to be able to have an opportunity to play in a game like that. And obviously, in the States, they take it very, very seriously too. So, no, I'm really excited to see what's to come. So, there's a skills event beforehand. It's similar to the combine that college players go through. Um, but when they go through to the draft and the NFL, 40-yard dash, vertical jump, etc. Are you looking forward to doing some of those skills events before the actual game itself? Yeah, I think playing in those skills events would be really, really good for me because play, doing those skills are basically what will help me in order to get my name out there. So now I'm really looking forward to those events and hopefully that will give me some confidence into the game. Do you know what your 40-yard dash time is? I think it's in between... The four fours and the four fives. Woo! Okay, that's great. So, by the so, what's the aim of after all of this? Is it to be noticed by a US college and perhaps play football for a college out there? Yeah, no, I'd love to play college for college football out there. And then, yeah, hopefully, if all goes well, then I'm able to impress people, go to college, and see what's to come. If that means then for draft, and yeah, make the most out of it all. Listen, I know I know you're with uh, some guys from the NFL UK and. They're they're sort of taking you under their wing. They have Jay Ajayi's number, London-born Jay Ajayi, who also is a running back. So get them to give yeah. you his number, and I'm sure he'll give you some tips. Yeah, thank you. No, I'd love to speak to Jay Ajayi. I, I watch him all the time, and 
I'm, very, I'm happy that he's obviously moved to the Eagles because they have a very good chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. Well, they really do. What's um? Who's your American football team? Who, which team do you support? So I love watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, as you know, Le'Veon Bell is an amazing player, and yeah, I just love their running their running game. I love the way they are in the offense, and I just, no, I'm just so excited to be able to have the opportunities to always watch them play. And yeah, hopefully one day we'll see what's come. And uh, I know you did. You get given your number today. Do you know what number you'll be playing, in or is there a particular number that you would prefer to have? I know Lev Bell is number twenty-six, so a bit of an homage to him. Or, or has your number been pre-organized? So for the game, for, so for today, we've had um, we can get every every single player gets number eighteen. Okay, just to of course. Showcase um, obviously the near the game starts. But if I could choose a number, I choose nine. I choose ninety-six. So nine being the fact that I was born ninth of the ninth, nineteen ninety nine, quarter to nine and nine. <laughs> That's and, uh, Yeah, and then obviously number six because I'm a confirmed Christian. Yeah. And obviously the um, devil's number is six six six, and I just love to fight against that and obviously praise the word of God. Okay, so I hope you realise that ninety six is usually a number that's given to the big big guys on the defensive line so uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you'll be lucky to get number 96 but you know my fingers yeah, are crossed for you uh, one last question from me are you done with rugby and sprinting or is that something that you always try and do in, in uh, US colleges they have programs covering both of those as well so you could be a, a triple athlete a triple sport athlete well obviously I've played a lot of sports and I need to make sure that I'm not overdoing not overdoing it. I love rugby. I love running track. But yeah, if this opportunity works, then I'd like to make the most out of it. But if not, then yeah, I'd like to see what the future holds. Tyrese, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you very much for joining us. And listen, I will I will make sure that I find a TV with ESPN and uh, and get watching uh, watching you against well in in Orlando uh, on the January the fourth. Thanks again, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Tyrese Johnson Fisher, fascinating stuff, um, and uh, we wish him all the best. Yeah, Ollie. I'm, well, I'm going to watch it. It'll be great. We've got to record another podcast literally now, just to pull back the curtain. Uh, there'll be some Thursday Night Football thoughts and some Greg Jennings tacked onto the front of this. But uh, Sorry, we're doing that now? Uh, well, we can take a little five minutes. I'll get this podcast put out there and, uh, and then crack on. Okay, yeah. I could do with a coffee. Well, let's do that. Let's have a little break and come back. All right. Uh, in the meantime, any final thoughts for this podcast? Yeah. Uh, you sure you, don't, you, you haven't changed your mind about Mexican? Do you want to come? I mean... Well, no, no, actually, I don't want to come because you didn't invite me in the first place. <laughs> it, no, it's fine. You knew that perhaps I had a bit... I may have some time before I needed to start proper work, but if if that's the way it's going to be... The real irony is I ummed and ahed, and I'm like, no, because I'm going to see Jenny, who I haven't seen in bloody ages, and uh, you don't know her. It's fine. Um, it's fine. And uh, I thought to myself, no, I'm going to do do my thing. Jenny. Jenny. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, no, no other final thoughts. Although I've actually not heard from her again, so maybe we'll just go and get a burrito instead. Well, no, no, I'm fine doing my own thing now. I've got oh, pl- buddy, I've get got over plans. yourself. I've got plans. Have you actually got plans? Yep, made them. <laughs> uh, otherwise, thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips.